Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode 132 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. And what's going on with you? Uh, Another solid week. Um, Jam-packed with games all across the world here. We had a big slate for the Premier League. Um, MLS was going on. We have NBA playoffs going on. Sixers choking it a bit, so... I'm um, not looking too good on that front, but overall, it's a pretty decent week. Good time to be alive. Yeah, that's good. I like to hear that. Um, I'm back at work, staying busy. Uh, and other than that, we've had some pretty shitty weather. Matt and I were talking about that. Just windy, rainy, nasty. So tomorrow is the first time I'm going to get out on the golf course since, I guess, sometime early last week. So I'm excited for that. I'm going to play a nice course tomorrow, treat myself after a good weekend. But uh, let's go ahead and get into some of these games. We are recording this uh, Wednesday evening, right after the last round of games just finished up. We had Leicester City, Norwich, Watford, Everton, all those games were today. But we are going to go back in time and talk about, I think, Brentford-Southampton is where we're starting off. That game ended 3-0 in favor of the Bees, uh, Pontus Janssen opened the scoring in the 13th. Wissa and Iyer <clears throat> also scored in this game. Wissa in the 14th and Iyer in the 79th. Southampton just were not up for it here. Statistically, it would appear that they stayed in the game, but they just did absolutely nothing with the four shots on target they managed to acquire. Brentford, on the other hand, with five shots on target, managed to convert that into three goals I thought Brentford looked great. They've certainly got some of their swagger back here towards the end of the season. They are currently sitting in 13th place, two spots above Southampton, who are on 40 points. Brentford taking three over Southampton here and leveling themselves up even above Newcastle, who are also in 43rd or also on 43 points. Yeah, I was thinking Southampton would get something out of this, but they've just looked really bad. Um, we think. Not everybody can go on such a bad run of form. Um, you'd think eventually they're going to have a turn of luck, but they've just been very poor. I think that's one win in their last 10 matches in the Prem. It's really bad. Brentford just knows their system. Um, and it's not like Southampton don't. It's just they're not getting the conversion rate up there. The The guys aren't putting their chances away. They've relied too heavily on Ward-Prowse and his set pieces. Um, they did miss... Romeu here, he came off the bench, but just his presence in there for a full 90s always helps. But yeah, I think Southampton have just lost focus and don't really have a goal to aim for. They're just in there. Not much to play for. Brentford being their first time in the league in a very long time are trying to finish as high as possible, just like Leeds did last year. So um, just a difference in how the manager can get the most out of their players. So, And we saw that on the score sheet. Yeah, for sure. Um, like we said, you know, great result here for Brentford. Good to see them sort of, uh, figuring things back out after a a relatively rough patch in the beginning of the season. And the only thing you can hope, uh, as a Brentford fan is that they carry this over into next season and hopefully come out hot like they did last year. Uh, we'll move on to Burnley at one, Aston Villa three, Danny Ings in the seventh here, Buendia, we haven't seen him really do much for Villa this year after they paid a considerable fee from Norwich, uh, he got on the score sheet here, and then Ollie Watkins, who we talked about last week, uh, continuing his late season form, bagging one in the 52nd, it was quiet until the 91st, when Maxwell Cornet got one back, 
um, you know, a little bit of a consolation goal. Burnley showed up um, here. I thought maybe they'd be able to edge some sort of result going into the game, but they were ultimately unable to do so. Even though they're facing, um, you know, a, a pretty serious uh, diagnosis going down, that that could be a, a problem. Leeds is helping them out a little bit, and we'll get to that later. But they weren't able to uh, convert many of their chances here. They did manage six shots on target. The possession was split down the middle, and I think they moved the ball around relatively well. They lined up pretty much how they've been lining up. Barnes back in the lineup here. He played up top. Uh, didn't see Cornette come on until the end. Uh, you know, I, I have questions about why he doesn't start. I know there has been questions about his fitness at points, um, but I did see in the news that he asked to go back to his uh, his parent club, and they had to explain to him that he's not on loan. So I don't... I, yes, that happened uh, earlier this week. Uh, I read that. There was an article out. He he talked to the manager and he said, uh, I, I'd like to go back to my parent club after the season concludes. And the front office had to explain to him that he's not on loan. He's, he's you know, he's a, a Burnley player. Uh, I thought that was funny. I didn't know if you'd seen that, but it, it, no, it buckled that's, me. That's really surprising. I I mean... Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think you, your first thought, logically, why he has been playing a lot is his fitness. He's had a, picked up a couple minor injuries that have kept him out for a week, two weeks or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, Weghorst has established himself since coming in the winter transfer window, and um, he's had good relationships with Barnes and Vidra. Um, that that relationship with Cornet hasn't been as successful, but coming off the bench again a, con- a consolation goal was nice but i'd say this this out of all the 15 games i was happy to get this one right because you were very confident on burnley to get a result here and the way i was talking about it was all pointing towards burnley but i just went against everything i said and picked villa for just just to go against that logic and it worked out for once so i mean and villa have been picking up their pace since beating norwich um getting a little bit of morale pickup um, confidence in the boys and it's not like all the goals are going to one player it's all the attacking players in there Buendia is finally starting to pay back um, the club for how much they spent for him over the summer with a couple goal contributions and this helps them climb up the table a little bit more and finish the year on a more positive note yeah for sure um, and I just looked at that tweet by the way uh, that I saw and apparently it's a play on um, a Michael Jackson song. I mean, I guess because that's the manager's name. So that, that's that gone over my head, and it seems 21,000 other people's heads. So I'm going to rescind that news that I just gave you guys. I'm not breaking anything. Apparently it's a joke, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not there. I mean, I don't listen to Michael Jackson, so... It's been a while. I remember the only reason I remember this is uh, he his, when he passed was, was on your birthday. It was, I yeah. I no, it, that. it I was, was like 2010. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I guess that's a joke. What a shit joke. That's not funny. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's move on. Chelsea two, Wolves two. Matt and I agree that we're just going to cover the games that have implications on the table at the end of the season, placements, European relegation stuff, stuff like that. So this one does have some implications. Chelsea currently sitting in third. Uh, Arsenal knocking on the door. Only get a point here. 
thanks to a, a, I would say, questionable timing uh, on the goal that was scored in the 97th minute. Connor Cody, seven minutes of extra time. I mean, you absolutely hate to see that when you're trying to defend a lead. Lukaku did get two in this game. He opened the scoring in the 56th with a penalty and then added another in the 58th. So good to see him on the score sheet. Chelsea ultimately unable to defend that lead. They did have Silva, Aspi, and Rudiger at the back. So essentially full strength. Um, just missing Christensen there, who I, I think is better than Aspilicueta, but... Uh, you know, that's that's a point that's argued. Uh, Trincao in the 79th, and like I said, Cody, club captain in the 97th. Just absolutely hate to see that. It is a tough, tough loss, or loss of points, but not loss in general for Chelsea there. Um, I think they've defended really well at points this season, and, and other points just been absolutely shambolic. And you hate to see that go in there. Um, I know they're just... It, kind of in cruise, just trying to keep that third place spot, keep that fourth place spot uh, sort of out of the equation. Arsenal are four points behind Chelsea. Uh, I I don't see it, you know, winding up that Arsenal jumps them. Um, but I think the race in general just has been a little too close for Chelsea. It's It's been, um, it's been helter-skelter here at points. And, and this was one of those games where I just felt the entire way something was coming. Uh, and, and it ultimately did. It was just a case of just playing with your dinner a little too much. Um, they the, they were playing well in the first half, just couldn't find that one to put, a, put them away and clear things up going into the locker room. And then start of the second half, Alonzo was subbed off. And after the game, we find out him and Tuchel had a bit of a mix-up and uh, a mix-up of words and a, just an argument. He got subbed out for Saul, so... Um, a lot of people were upset with how what everything was going on in the game, and fortunately, Lukaku had a breakthrough there with a brace, one from a penalty, and it seemed all good. But the boys took their foot off the pedal, and um, Trincao finally came on, and I think this was his first goal of the year in the Prem, if not a second. But of course, it's against us, and that kind of set things off for Wolves to continue to press and continue to press, and it just seemed like we couldn't get out of the back and possess the ball as well as we did at the, in the beginning. And um, unfortunately, we fell through at the f- the final whistle. Um, and it just wasn't meant to be, which is unfortunate. But that's that's how Wolves are. They're a pretty tough team to put away. And they had a lot of grit in their mentality here. And it seems like Connor Cody last year, the guy's never scored a goal professionally ever. And now I think he's got three or four this year, which is crazy. But um yeah, I mean, fortunately enough, the game that happened today helped us, but it would have been nice to not have to worry about the rest of the season if we could have held on here. Yeah, it's it's just, uh, it's tough to watch because obviously I want Arsenal to finish as, as high as they can, but um, to see like a, a club of Chelsea's caliber and quality this season at points, like let those sort of things go especially in a winning position it's just like hard to watch it's it's tough um crystal palace won watford nil not a lot to talk about in this game it went the way that uh matt and i sort of expected so we're actually going to skip over that one both of those watford's confirmed going down which we knew already and crystal palace just in mid-table hell um this one on the other hand important brighton four united nil Moises Caicedo opened the scoring in the 15th minute. Cucurella in the 49th. 
Pascal Gross in the 57th, and then Leandro Trossard adding one in the 60th here. Wow, what a uh, awful, awful performance from United. I can't seem to pick Brighton games right this season. I have an extremely challenging time figuring out what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, and at what grounds. I just cannot figure it out. After this match, we should say Brighton are currently sitting on 47 points, three wins in their last five, the other two results being a draw and a loss. United, on the other hand, with three losses in their last five, a draw and a win. They are on 58 points, Brighton on 47. United have uh, a lot of work cut out for them here at the club. I mean, this was just not the sort of performance that you need uh, at this point in the season, you're trying to instill some sort of confidence in the fans and your new manager. And ultimately, I think what this result does is just show you all of the cracks and how challenging they're going to be to fill. Um, in terms of their lineup, they put out what they had. Elanga got the start here. Mata in the middle, which I can't believe we saw him again, but he got the start. Bruno Fernandez out on the left playing, I guess, left center attacking mid and then Ronaldo up top I mean they just got outplayed they got out hustled they got outplayed um, outdone in general and I think it's a great result for Brighton I'm sure they they're happy with it but uh, not going to change much for them I don't I don't really see them um, breaking into trying to find where they're at uh, I don't see them breaking into to Europe this season. Um, don't really think they're that sort of team anyway, but uh, a crazy result nonetheless and an entertaining game too. Yeah, this was Brighton's biggest ever top flight win in their history. Um, crazy enough. And then as well, this is going to be Man United's lowest ever finish point total wise um, in the Premier League since uh, the debut season in 91-92. So two historic things there but yeah i mean it's it's been i kind of revere this united team finishing the year how i do norwich it's like there's just nothing about them no fight so it's like they're not gonna put anything out there for the fans or anything it seems like the players have given up the staff the fans it's everybody's just given up on um the season so it's unfortunate and who knows west ham still potentially could finish above them and uh, knock them out of europa league um, which would be crazy. They'd be in the conference league potentially. So that'd be crazy enough to see Ronaldo lighten up um, even bigger farmer teams. Uh, yeah. He'd probably have at least 40 goals in that competition next year. But um, yeah, crazy. This was probably the biggest shock result of the 15 games we picked. So um, yeah, I mean, I had Brighton getting relegated this year. I just didn't see anything about them offensively. But the past couple games, they've just been racking up goals which is just not who they are historically no they always struggle to uh to score goals and that was the issue all season picking them and not picking them I always wondered if they'd be able to get the goals flowing but they got them from all sorts of different positions in this one so uh, I guess good to see it's good signs like I said at the end of the season you always want to see your team do as much as they possibly can I think some of the expectations, however, are lifted towards the end of the season if you're going to be in in mid table, and that's why you get some of these some of these results that may appear to be anomalies. I think um, the pressure being lifted just allows some of the teams with uh, players who have creative abilities. Uh, it, it allows them to actually showcase those abilities instead of 
uh, being stuck in one specific game plan. And I know Potter is a planner, so uh, this was, uh, I thought it was a really entertaining game. And, you know, United, seeing United lose at any sort of, of pass is, is just enjoyable for me. Um, we'll move on to Liverpool one, Tottenham one. This was probably the game of the weekend. Extremely important for both sides. Tottenham trying to chase down Arsenal in fourth. Liverpool trying to chase down City in first. Uh, Liverpool absolutely laid the slaughter here. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't going Liverpool's way though. I mean, they absolutely pumped Tottenham. They managed to hold up defensively. I don't know how they do it. Um, Conte strategically has them defend in a way that I think is just extremely exploitable, uh, especially the fact that you have Ben Davis, Eric Dyer, and Christian Romero back there. I think Romero's good, but the other two uh, raise serious questions, in my opinion. But they managed to to hold Liverpool to just one goal, and it wasn't until the 74th that they scored that. It was Luis Diaz, of course, the new signing. Uh, but it was actually Tottenham that went ahead early here. They scored in the 56th minute. Wingman's son managing to get a goal for himself. Kane and Kulisevsky relatively uninvolved within the rest of the game. I thought maybe they'd be able to get free. Kulisevsky has quieted down since that sensational form uh, he was strutting when he came in. But this is a great result for Tottenham. I mean, just to get one point from this game uh, against the Liverpool side who are soaring. You know, they have four wins in their last five and the other one's a, a draw. So... Uh, well, that would be this game. But yeah, I, I think that this is an awesome result for Tottenham. They're only four points behind Arsenal. It is possible that they can come back, but it's it's going to be a really tight game. And I think Tottenham, despite defending just strangely and maybe getting away with some stuff here, uh, offensively did create more chances than I thought they would. Yeah, and this result pretty much hurt both of their chances to finish where they want to. Um, another one I was happy I got right, but um, yeah, towards the end, Liverpool definitely should have had um, an opportunity to steal this game. Um, Conte just knows how to manage against these big teams. They beat Man City twice this year, uh, and then with this result, they've tied Liverpool both times this year in the league, so um, tactically, he just knows what to do against these top dog teams, and um, they just played well. They just stuck. They dug in in the trenches the whole 90 and um, just knew how to get the point. And now they're in a position where um, it's, all on, it's all on the table tomorrow um, it, against their arch rivals to potentially finish in a Champions League position for the first time in three or four years. So um, this is what we want to see as fans. We want to see it come to the last games at the end of the year because um, – we want to see it matter and see who the big players are. Yeah, I, I'm i so excited for tomorrow. I mean, I can't wait. I'm probably going to be on the golf course, but I'll have it on uh, in the golf cart 100% because it's just a game that you can't miss. I cannot wait. Uh, I have really high expectations of Arsenal. Seeing Tottenham defend the way that they did, uh, if Arsenal actually turn the burners on and jam it back there, I think they can score multiple goals. I mean, I actually like Arsenal's uh, chances against Tottenham better than I liked Liverpool because I knew Tottenham would sit back. So I'm excited. I think that there's a lot of false confidence there. I think a lot of people uh, in the media are sort of expecting a, a Tottenham masterclass. And it's just, I know it's biased, but it's just not what, what I have on the cards for tomorrow. So 
We'll jump past this next one, Norwich City nil, West Ham 4. Good performance from the Irons. Uh, and we will move on to Leicester City 1, Everton 2. Everton have been shining in the face of adversity. They went ahead early here. Vitaly Mikolenko scoring in the 6th minute. Pats and Daka pulled one back almost immediately in the 11th. But Mason Holgate struck in the 30th to seal all three points for the Toffees. I mean, what a performance. They locked it down after that. Managed to mitigate all of Leicester's attacking chances. 16 shots for Leicester, 9 of those on target. Just 10 shots on target for Everton and 4 of those on target. They only held 34% of the possession. And they really just tried to defend and close down space as much as they could. Leicester, 631 passes, double what Everton had. Um, so, you know you know what kind of game this was. I don't think Everton played overly uh, physical either. They had five at the back, and the other four, Delph and Ducore, dropped back in uh, once uh, once that second goal went in. But that's how you have to play when you need points. You know, Everton are currently in 16th place. Leeds drop to 18th after today's result. Everton on 36, Burnley on 34, Leeds on 34 as well. So... It appears to me that Everton could just stay up. Uh, a decent result today as well. So uh, it's crazy to watch, but I want Everton to stay up. Yeah, I wouldn't count anything crazy happening. We saw um, Everton get this result in the one against Chelsea. So, um, And I think that comes down to Fr- um, Frank yeah. sucking up his pride um, as a manager. And because we've seen him try to come out in a normal formation, whether that's a 4-3-3, 4-4-2, some variation. That's how he thought the solution was going to come, by them playing football clean and um, tiki-taka style, just a normal way. But he's realized in this level of the table, you have to do um, anything that, that must be done to get points. And ever since they've dropped to this formation of like a 5-4-1, it's, it's been working for them, playing on the counters has worked the first 15 minutes of this game was super wide open and ugly there was a lot of defensive miscues from both sides um and everton just managed um in the second half to hold it down once again jordan pickford back-to-back games probably man of the match um potentially will be the person that kept him up this year so one more result going their way um if it does, we'll keep them up. Uh, three games to go for them. If they could just get one more win, I think that pretty much secures their safety for the year. Um, Leicester, um, just in the middle of the boat, just just moving along. They're yep. they're slowly getting guys back from from um, injuries. We saw Jamie Vardy back today. Bag a uh, yeah, bag a, a brace, um, and and other guys are coming back as well. So they're slowly getting back. 200% and trying to finish the year as strong as possible. So both sides can look to uh, can look up from here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, let's jump into Arsenal 2, Leeds United 1. Eddie and Ketia got the Gunners off to a flying start, capitalizing on an Ian Meslier <laughs> howler. I mean, what a bumble that was. Um, that was the first goal. I think that was the first goal. And then uh, he got another one for himself that was a little cleaner. 
Luke Ayling then made an absolute horror tackle in the 27th, got himself sent off straight red. They got another straight red today. And then Diego Lorente got one back in the 66th. But Arsenal were able to close them down and ensure that nothing else happened. This was a dominant performance from Arsenal. I figured maybe they'd be able to uh, just blow the doors off of it. But like Matt said, they sort of played with their food a little bit too much. Um, you know, he said that about Chelsea. I felt the same way in this one. I was fearing uh, I was fearing a cheese, cheese ball over the top and uh, a goal. We know that Leeds can do that. It's happened a couple times to Arsenal in the past couple weeks where a ball just gets lofted over the top. They get caught sleeping. Uh, it's usually fucking Nuno Tavares back there, but thankfully we... Didn't have him starting. He didn't even come in in this game, thank the Lord. Uh, A lot of nonsense seems to accompany him. In terms of stats, Arsenal outshot Leeds handedly. 19 shots to Leeds 3, 9 shots on target to Leeds 2, and 64% of the possession in favor of the Gunners. Outpassed them. They were more accurate. um, And they managed to match Leeds' intensity in terms of physicality, so... I think this is a great result. We needed it. I expected them to come out win this game. I just thought maybe it'd be a little easier. But uh, I guess it's good to see the defense showed up. Yeah, the red card to Ailing in the first half was a major game changer. It opened things up a lot for Arsenal to control more of the ball and the, the flow of the game and ultimately put leads as heavy underdogs here. But Aketia with another brace, um, four in his last four now. Um, before that 1-0 loss to Southampton five five games ago, he he averaged like 10 minutes off the bench at all. And now he's been starting for Lacazette and has been using his time well. I mean, it's it's that time of the year where now, especially with him leaving at the end of the year, um, maybe potentially trying to get signed on back again for maybe another year or two, he's looking to uh, show everybody his value and uh, potentially like, get him a new landing spot at a good club. But um yeah, it's, it's ultimately helping the club overall. And now, tomorrow, they could put the final knife in the into Spurs and end their dreams of a top-four finish while simultaneously securing themselves the, the ultimate goal of where Arsenal wants to be and needs to be um, back in the Champions League for the first time in, like, six years um, around that, pretty much. But, um, yeah, I mean, you look on Leeds' side... Out of the three teams we mentioned for that battle for relegation, they're the team that are down bad the worst, um, and they're only doing they're only inflicting damage to themselves. A red card here. Um, we'll get to the Chelsea game, but it's that they're just their own worst enemy right now. And you look at their goal differential, and mainly their goals against. They're they've given up seventy seven goals. That's I mean, so crazy to think about. That's so insane. That's two goals a game. Yeah, compared to Burnley and Everton, it's it shouldn't be in an argument who's should go down. So, um, yeah, I'm just thinking about Jesse Marsh, and he's made yeah. a big commitment uh, moving to Cleeds, and he initially arrived, and things were going very well, five games, four or five games unbeaten, um, and now the real test the the real test is on with his last was at two games. Um, left yeah. and they are games that are going to decide the future of this club for the next five years financially and um, I know we mentioned back in January Rafinha's a guy who's not who's not going to play in the championship and there were links to him go to Bayern for like 70 odd mil but um, in his contract if there there's like a relegation clause so he could leave for 
20 million, 25 million, which would be a bargain for anybody. So um, they're in a real dire situation. And I think their next game's against Brighton, which is going to be tough. And they close against Brentford. So it's not like it's the top tier teams, but those are teams that have been playing very well as of lately. So um, I'm wishing Jesse the best, but um, yeah, you never know. Uh, here's how we have to think about it, right? We got we to gotta look at the long game. If Leeds go down, Marsh probably does a season with them and then leaves because it's fucking impossible to get out of the championship. I mean, it's it all depends on who they keep. I, I would say if they keep the majority of their squad, we see we've seen how Fulham have done it this year. They've had probably the best year a team in the championship could ever have. And it ultimately comes down to keeping that core squad together. So, I mean, Rafinha leaves Calvin Phillips. I mean, we look at his Euro performance last year and yeah we don't really think he's gonna play down there no he um, I, that's the thing i don't think him or bamford will will play i think they'll all leave i think rafinha will leave too i i just think that the championship is a pit i think it's so hard to get out of no matter how team how good your team is what we're seeing from fulham you know yeah i think they just went through the same thing lester did Leicester did, but they're suffering even more. Right. Um, they're losing a majority of their squad from injury. We saw Liverpool have this a few seasons ago, um, but they fought through and managed to still finish in a great spot. Um, but yeah, that's that's the tough thing here. There's always a handful of teams that um, get the short end of the stick and they have to fight through with, with the squad they have. And we see the top tier teams, they have massive squad depth. Um, and it shows in the results that um, if a big guy goes down, that the next guy has enough quality to fill in his shoes and get the job done. And with Leeds, we're seeing youngsters have to come off the bench. We saw Lewis Bate come in today and start for Leeds, a 19, 20-year-old player that came from Chelsea, and he just wasn't up to par with the, the quality Chelsea had. And it just shows you just need big squads in this league to really compete and finish at the top tier. Yeah, that's absolutely true, and um, I wanted to say that I am so excited for Fulham to be back next year. They've clinched their promotion. They have Mitrovic, who I think had the best. Forty. He had something. the best season in Championship history. Is that right? Uh yeah, he has to. Forty goals. I think they finished with the record point total with like a hundred or so. That's insane. Uh, they're on ninety points right now with that's so two insane. two games. They've scored that's that's what I thought. They've scored one hundred and six goals, uh, forty three against um, them and Fulham, or excuse them and Bournemouth are up. So Scotty P's coming back. Let's go. And then uh, the playoff is is set with um, oh no that they're, they're done. Forty six is the max. I forgot. Okay. So the playoff right now is Huddersfield against Luton Town, and then Nottingham Forest against Sheffield United. So, oh, um, they said all these teams have been in the top flight before. Obviously, yes. Luton Town haven't um, in a long time. So potentially, we could see the return of Sheffield with that style of play. Huddersfield haven't been up in a little while. Nottingham Forest, we haven't seen. I'd like to see Forest um, come up. They've got history. Yeah, it's going to be really tight. Um, surprisingly West Brom have struggled this year and some other teams down there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's tough and um, it'll be interesting to see how they can stay up. I mean, we've seen Puki and Mitrovic are the top two guys that perform very well in the championship, but yep. their numbers heavily decrease 
once they once they move up to the top tier. Yeah. And uh, Mitrovic has scored. Yeah, Mitrovic scored forty three goals. That's so in, obscene. <laughs> in forty four matches this year in the championship. Yeah. So he's at you know point nine six goals a game, and, which is incredible. So- and seven assists, so he had 50 goal contributions out of their 106 this year. 50%. I mean, that's yeah. that's it's unprecedented. It's absolutely obscene. I mean, we've seen it in other leagues, surely, but um, extremely tough to do in, in the lower le- the lower tier of England because the game is so physical. Um, it, it's even more physical than it is in the Prem, and it's it's just dirty. So I think that's that's an incredible thing, and I'm I'm super excited to see what Fulham can do when they come up next year. I mean, they're going to be an upgrade over Norwich this season. I think no matter what, they're going to be an upgrade over Watford. Um, and I'm excited because Fulham was the the team that we rooted for. We liked Scotty P. Of course, he's uh, he he switched teams now. He is with Bournemouth, but um, it'll it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Uh, okay, let us jump into City 5, Newcastle nil. Not a lot to talk about here, really, other than the fact that City came out firing. I thought maybe they'd be asleep at the wheel after that awful, awful defeat against Madrid last week, but uh, they came out just so hot. Sterling in the 19th, Laporte in the 38th, Rodri in the 61st, Foden in the 90th, and then Raheem Sterling got on the end of another one in the 90th. Third, 21 shots for City, nine of those on target. They held 72% of the ball, and Newcastle were unable to convert any of their three shots on target in this one. Didn't have much of the ball. City just passed around them. They they weren't Newcastle weren't able to play the way that they have been playing the past few weeks. Uh, lined up similarly, you know, you had Guimaraes in the middle of the park with with Wood up top. Almiron played right wing here. St. Max out on the left. They weren't able to break City down. I thought maybe they'd get a goal at least. I thought this would be low scoring, and it just was not. City looked absolutely dominant. This was the tenth time they scored five goals this season. And then today they scored ten, or they scored five again. So eleven five goal games for City this season. That is an incredible statistic. Yeah, they've scored 24 goals in their last six. Um, the nearest team to that is Tottenham with 13. So they are just firing on all cylinders. They make teams look silly, and it's just there's just a massive gap in quality. Um, they take the life out of the game and the other team, and I think most importantly the fans um, playing playing at these away away stadiums um, this game was home but when they play away and they play this style and they take that energy out of the crowd it just only helps them even more so um they're just the, now that they're out of the champions league this is this is what means everything this is what it's always been about um it's looking like they're going to close in on their fourth title in in the last five years um and to make it even more special they've agreed terms with holland so They've gotten their big number nine. Harry Kane didn't work out. Man, you got Ronaldo. Chelsea got Lukaku, um, and now they've they they waited their time. Um, things didn't work out for Kane, but um, it worked out for the, for the better with um, them having a a younger player with that same prolific scoring record. So um, the rich get richer. Yeah, absolutely. It's always the case. Uh, We'll jump into Aston Villa 1, Liverpool 2. Villa came out surprisingly sharp here, scored a goal in the third minute. 
Douglas Louise was on the end of that one. Joel Matip struck back in the sixth. And then Mane, who has been in incredible form, looks like a determined man, a changed man since their victory at AFCON, scored in the 65th. And Liverpool were the better team here, we should say. 17 shots, 6 shots on target with 61% possession, 530 passes, 200 passes more than Villa, who are around 330 uh, 39% possession for the Villains, four shots on target, just two less than Liverpool, and nine shots total. Liverpool, I thought, came out a little bit flat, but after that goal by Douglas Louise in the third, they woke up, defended more soundly. Um, Simikas did get the start here, no Rabo, of course. Uh, TAA out on the right, Maltip and Van Dyke in the center, no Gomez, didn't see him in this one. Uh, Curtis Jones, Fabinho, those guys got starts as well. No Salah, uh, Keita in the middle of the park. So this was sort of a second-rate lineup for Liverpool, but it just goes to show how much quality they have. I mean, they are so deep. Konate sitting on the bench. We saw Thiago come on. Milner can do a job when he needs to. Firmino not getting a ton of time. Uh, Joe Gomez not even injured, just not in the side here. Hendo's coming on off the bench. Origi. I think up and down, you know, Liverpool and City are are so closely matched in terms of their quality on and off the pitch and, you know, guys on the bench. It's so crazy to me. And uh, they managed to to stretch a result here, get all three points. And a game that, that really matters, you know, I'm kind of surprised that, that they put out a team like this just three points behind City. Yeah, I think it ultimately comes down to the FA Cup final this yeah. weekend. Um, Salah on the bench, but... um. It would have been really interesting to see where Liverpool would have been if they had Luis Diaz for the full year, not just um, after January, because he's added just a fresh, a fresh feel to this team, um, a more, a more exotic kind of touch on the ball, and he has such a flair about his style and um, the way he attacks defenders is something that um, this Liverpool team at times can lack, um, especially with the amount of games they've played. Um, compared to all these other teams, I think they played at least 20 more games than Aston Villa has this year, um, considering all competitions. So just having that extra flair off the bench or in the squad in general is just something nice to have. But yeah, um, not a typical victory for Liverpool. Um, you think when they dominate the game, they'll have around 800 passes, but only 530 is pretty low for them. Um, playing more direct, um, as well as Villa competing and breaking up a lot of their play better than other teams. Maybe that comes down to CVG knowing the system a little better. Um, Coutinho as well, knowing where the pockets of space can be here, playing under Klopp for a little bit of time. Um, and that's where Van Dyke came in a lot. A lot of the times um, Liverpool were caught off uh, and Van Dyke's just the, his presence and his closing down speed is, is top tier where he can just clean up a lot of messes before they even start. So yeah, um, like you said, yeah, very important game. It keeps them just in touching distance of City. But after that performance today, you you really just think in the back of your mind, there's no way they let it slip. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's tough to think that City are going to come out and like drop a stinker. Like it, it's just it doesn't seem possible. You know, they got five in their last five. They're on almost 90 points here. As much as Liverpool have been hot on their tail, I just don't, I just don't see it happening. And I don't. They've, they've taken the lead on the goal differential race. Yep, yep. Um, they have the three points. So even if they do 
lets a game slip, they still have that goal cushion and um it's pretty much locked up, especially with the remaining games left for City, you think. Um a game against West Ham and then end the year all against Aston Villa. Um they can be tricky games, but they're not like um it's not like they played Liverpool and Spurs again. Yeah, and I think what what also I mean, we praise City a lot here. I think everybody should because they are just incredible and they play such an insane style. Um they're they're not just scoring five goals because that's the way the game is going. They're not letting up. Like they know that they have needed to score this many goals. They've scored a ton of goals in their last five games. And it's because they know where they're at in, in the in the table. They know that they needed that goal differential to jump. They're now seven point G D, like Matt said. It's that sort that part of the race is over. Unless Liverpool go out and win ten nil next week, you know, it's that 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 thing's over. So We've seen teams win nine nil, so we want to be. We have no, we yeah, we definitely have. But um, they have they have a couple games coming up. You know, they're they're going up against Southampton. Southampton are one of the teams that have lost nine nil. That is the prime nine nil right there. I know it's it's the premium nine nil, and then they play Wolves, who are another team that are struggling. It's not out of the question. I mean, we know Liverpool can score five goals at a time, six goals at a time. It's a very possible, but City have have really, you know, showed up to the occasion, um, got that nice buffer, and they they had another game that we're going to chat about here in a second. I just think they're a little hungrier because this is the only their only chance for silverware. Yeah. Liverpool have already bagged the League Cup as well as they still have two cracks at another trophy. So, um, yeah, I think just that hunger is still there to have something and to have something represent their success for the year. Absolutely. Uh, Leicester City 3, Norwich nil. Not going to dig into that one. That was uh, sort of kind of what we expected. We had uh, Watford versus Everton. That was today as well. This one was a snore. A lot of chances for Everton. Not able to convert. 16 shots for them versus Watford 6. Watford did not register a shot on target. Everton had 5. Um, I think they, they played the 5 in the back again. Mikolenko and Iwobi actually getting the start at right wing back here. Gordon in the side. Damari Gray in the side. Delphin Ducore in the middle to drop back when they needed to. And Richarlison up top. Unfortunate that they weren't able to get three points here. I think in general, this is a decent result. What they were looking to do was just get points in general. I think this was a sitter for three, um, but I'm sure that they'll just take the point and and walk on now because they are two points clear of Burnley. They've got that buffer. Yeah, Wadford played a lot of players that usually wouldn't start um, not or even just get minutes. Um, a whole new front three. Your boy JP João Pedro yep. up front. Uh, Sima, the Swedish boy on the wing, as well as a a Samuel Kalu. Not the not the old school one, but just uh, not the front three we're used to. A couple changes in the middle and in the back. But I, if I'm Frank, and if you're willing to gamble. Um, Chelsea beaten down on Leeds today and just having that I, that cushion in the back of your mind thinking um, even if they don't get a point here, they're still one point ahead of Leeds and have a game in hand. And this is potentially the your best chance of winning a game with Watford's record at home. Um, they haven't picked up a point since beating United in November at Vicarage Road. So 
playing that 5-4-1, I would think you could open it up more, push maybe a 4-4-2, 4-3-3, push Gordon and Gray into more advanced roles. We know Watford have been very, very poor in the back, third worst defense, giving up 70 goals. So, I mean, if I'm Frank, I, I'd be willing to gamble it a little bit more here. I don't know what you would think, but if you get all three here, you're in a much, much, much safer yeah. position than you are now where there's still potential things can go wrong. No, I, I 100% agree. I mean, I think it's a disappointment to not get all three here. At Watford are a sitter team. You know, it's, it's an easy shot. They're they're duck, but um, I think right now if you're trying to keep the the positivity in the locker room uh which i think frank is trying to do and i think he's actually done a good job you know this was a seriously tough task for him and he did dig himself into the hole a little bit before he he started to dig himself back out but i think you just got to keep spirits high and say good result lads let's go on to the next one they do have uh brentford next week so not going to be an easy one but certainly possible that they get a point or three um, I think that's that's got to be the game plan. Otherwise, you're you're just not going to get yourself in a good mental headspace. All right, Leeds nil, Chelsea three. This one went the way we expected. Mason Mount, beautiful boy, opened the scoring in the fourth minute. Needed that. Um, Pulisic added one in the 55th. But in between those two goals, there was a reckless tackle from Daniel James, the 30 million dollar man. From Manchester United, he went to Leeds earlier on this season or at the end of last season and has been severely disappointing. Great red for him, reckless, unnecessary. Now two red cards in two consecutive games for Leeds. And then Lukaku got on the score sheet again two weeks in a row now in the 83rd. So padding those stats a little bit before he earns his transfer away from the club this season, surely. Um, five shots for Leeds total zero on target, 32% possession. Chelsea walloped them in this one. Good clean sheet needed that after they let it slip last week, 17 shots for the boys in blue, four shots on target and 68% possession. Yeah, it just, it just gives us that sort of, um, relief looking at the league table, um, at that 70 point margin there puts us at our 20th win on the year. Um, one behind Arsenal still, but now it's just a case of hoping Arsenal can get at least a point here, and that secures us a top four finish. So, um, Dan James, that red card ultimately changed everything. Before that, obviously, we uh, Leeds were playing that very intense press, but Chelsea, we were just good enough in the back, and Jorginho and Kovacic as well played very well. Kovacic up until he was subbed out um, later after that red, just that was feeling that injury, that feeling that tackle a bit too much and didn't want to risk it coming into a FA Cup final this Saturday. So um, he played it safe. But yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things where they just played the ball really well, didn't have any mistakes in the back. Your boy Christensen got the start over um, Tiago. Um, I think he plays best in that central center back position. Um, I love Chaloba since the start of the year. I, I was I was happy to see him out there. Um, as P coming off the bench for him though, um, just rotating out for, like I mentioned, that big FA cup game, another great performance from Reese James. He's just, he, him and Trent are just two, two players that, that master that wingback role, um, attacking wingback, I guess I could say, um, they, they're just menaces in the attacking end of the pitch. And he, he got the assist there on the Mount goal, played roles in the other ones. And 
it's just nice to see us ultimately get that that three points. Lukaku getting a goal as well as both pretty much just all the front three players. So, um, yeah, I'm just really happy from that. And yeah, like I mentioned with Jesse and Leeds, it's just really tough um, now to see Jan- Dan James is out the remaining games, so he won't be able to help them. Um, Luke Ayling as well won't be able to help them. So they are they are digging deep into their bench right now to put a squad together for these last two games. And we already mentioned who they're playing and with the players left they have with not the most experience, it's it, they're going to need a miracle here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. We got one more game, I think. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Wolves one city five, two games in a row where city have registered five goals. KDB with four in this one, one in the seventh. Dendonker got one back in the 11th. And I thought, eh, Maybe this will be a game, but KDB had other plans. He got one in the 16th, another in the 24th, and then one in the 60th as well. Raheem Sterling missed a sitter, but then managed to convert on one for himself in the 84th. 16 shots for City, five shots on target with 67% possession. Seven shots, four Wolves, three shots on target, and 33% possession. Something I want to point out is that when I go through these stats every week and look through them as I read them to you guys, City have the most passes every single week. And I watch a team that passes the ball and moves the ball around a lot in Arsenal, but City are on an entirely different level. They have the most passes every week. It's absolutely insane to think about. Um, and that's just something that I put together over the past couple weeks when I'm really looking into these stats as the season winds down. It's just so crazy, and it's no wonder that they're they're at the top of the table because they just move the ball around with so much purpose and intention, and the difference is that they're always, pretty much always, able to turn it into a goal-scoring opportunity. So another fantastic result for City as Wolves slip further and further down. They are currently in eighth place. They're going to probably get that... Europa League spot, but I do not have high expectations for them. Um, City, currently looking poised to win the league. Yeah, just seeing the difference in this result and the previous one for Wolves tying Chelsea, just the difference in having a a top-tier number 10 um, player um, attacking mid-roll in KDB, just the difference it makes, him filling in these pockets of spaces, in between the midfield and the back line of Wolves um, and taking full advantage of it, um, how easy it is for them to create opportunities where Chelsea was kind of a struggle at first. But ultimately, they did get their goals. But just one after the other in quick succession here for City was just demoralizing a bit for Wolves. They got one back to make it 1-1. There was a glimpse of hope there, I thought, because I did think City would drop points here. But they just absolutely steamrolled them. We mentioned just... Putting that 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 the pedal to the metal and just going all in, um, and they they didn't even play all their top guys. We Diaz didn't start. Um, Laporte had to get subbed off a bit. Picked up a bit of a knock. Just um, having Grealish and Mares off the bench. It just shows the quality they have, and it was just an all around great team performance. And um, pretty much, I would think, secures them that the title. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just don't see. I just don't see things changing. Um, And with that uh, prediction that I just made, we're going to go ahead and jump into our previews. We have a couple games, not a couple games, more than a couple, uh, quite a few actually to preview here quick for you. 
Um, we're at about an hour, so this is going to be a quick preview for you. We have Arsenal taking on Tottenham tomorrow at 2.45 p.m., game of the week. Super excited. I am taking Arsenal, and I'm declaring it a game of the year. We're taking Arsenal to win. Uh, they'll probably be favorites, but I know that there's some public money on Tottenham, so I'm going to take Arsenal straight up. I absolutely love them to win this. Yeah, I don't know. This could be, for me, it's like... A... I know what Arsenal is going to bring, but I don't know what to expect from Tottenham because we've seen them at times absolutely dominate and run the show. But um, you, they you, we've seen two games in a row at, at one point they didn't register a single shot on target. So um, it's going to come down to the first fifteen minutes. It's at it's at Tottenham. So um, Arsenal have won the last two matches though, three one and two one. Um, I'd, I think it's going to drag on a bit. Um, I think I'm going to go with a draw here. Okay. But it still puts Arsenal in a strong position with a four-point gap. Yep. All right. Um, the next game is actually another Tottenham game. They play Burnley on May 15th. I'm going to take Tottenham to win this one straight up. I know Burnley need it, but I just don't see them getting the points here. Yeah, I have to go with um, Tottenham as well. They've They've treated Burnley like how... Um, City have pretty much they they run the score up as of lately, but um, Burnley got the better of them for the first time in a little while back in fe- yeah back in February just getting a one nil result, but um, still they dominated the ball and I think Mike Jackson's gonna have to figure things out um, after losing his first match as manager caretaker manager however you want to put it, but um, I just think Tottenham's gonna be a little too much for him to start off the the games on Sunday for sure we have Wolves. Uh, at 9 a.m. against Norwich City. I'm going to be taking Wolves in this one. Norwich have nothing to play for, and I just can't see them getting anything going. Yeah, I'm going to go with Wolves as well, just short and sweet. Cool. West Ham versus City up next. Going to take City in that one. West Ham, uh, decent performance recently, but just don't think they have the depth to take on City. I like City to win um, pretty handily up. I, I'm I'm looking at one and a half. I think that's one of the the spreads. So I'm probably there with that one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you there. Um, it'll be interesting to see with West Ham's center back issues. Um, Craig Dawson's gonna be back after that straight red, and he's got a bit of a knock. But, but um, they should be okay with Zuma and Diop still available. Um, but yeah, just the, they've lost that attacking spark. If you don't want to count that Norwich game the, that they had recently. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with City as well. Okay, we have Watford taking on Leicester City up next. Going to take Leicester in that one. Watford, another team just like Norwich with nothing to play for. I think the performance of Leicester and Wolves this season has actually been extremely similar. If you look at sort of where they've earned points, when they've needed them, and when they've been able to actually convert on that. So I'm going to take Leicester. I think they get the uh, easy one here. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Leicester as well. I didn't realize they had so many guys out from injury. That's why all those different guys played today. But yeah, yep. they're going to be heavily fatigued here. Um, and Leicester are the kings of that this year. They know how it feels to be down guys. Um, but now they, they're on the, the better end of the better end of it now with a lot of players back. Now that Jamie Vardy's scoring goals again. Um, still, surprisingly, he's in the top 10 with um, leading insane. goals this year. He's got 12. So right there with um, one behind Sterling. Um, crazy. But yeah, I think Leicester here easy. Yeah, it is absolutely crazy to think about that. His production at his age and just the 
really he's low, at least, low he's amount of at games. Least ten weeks. Yeah, exactly. He he hasn't played all that many games, and his productions his production numbers are still up there. I mean, his efficiency rating, per, not really a, a factor in soccer, but such a a huge metric in other sports. His would be through the roof. Um, Leeds United taking on Brighton. This is a tough game for me to pick. I don't want to take Brighton because if I do, they'll lose 5 nothing. So I'm going to take a draw. I actually think Leeds play. I think that they, they try and tough it out. They're missing some guys on suspension, but I'm going to take a draw on this one. This game just stinks to me. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I hardly ever say this, but I think Brighton's gonna win. I just think, just the way they've been playing as of lately, just they hold the ball very well. Leads are in a straight nosedive, um, especially with all these guys picking up knocks. We saw Harrison pick up a bit of a knock. He got subbed out. Rafinha as well. I mean, it's looking really bad here. If they if they can't get a point out of this, it's it's the it's going to be the end for them. So I, I think I'm going to have to go with Brighton. All right, cool. Um, Aston Villa versus Palace up next. I got a draw on the books for this one too. I love a one-one here. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Palace as of lately. They've been pretty pretty mid. They are getting results, which is all that matters, but um, not dominating as we thought. So um, I think I think I'm going to say. I'm going to go with a... Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. I'm going to go with a draw. Okay, cool. Um, oh, I have to sneeze. <laughs> Sorry about that, uh, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, it interrupted me. We have Everton ticking on Brentford up next. That one's on May 15th. I got another draw on the books. Yeah. Yep. I love a draw. I love one point to each team here. I know Everton need it. Uh, but I don't think they get three. I think uh, Brentford are just playing too well right now, and I think that they'll even be happy with a draw, considering the fact that the other sides, you know, Leeds only getting a draw here wouldn't be such a big deal. Uh, it may drop Burnley down into that that top spot of relegation and Leeds jump it, but uh, I think Everton are staying up, so I think a draw is just fine for them, and that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, I don't think the table's going to change at all. I think Brent. Brentford's going to win here, um, leaving everybody exactly where they are now. Um, so nothing will change point-wise for these teams. But yeah, I just think Brighton, or Brentford excuse me, have been playing really well. Just like Brighton, they're on the same wavelength as, as what I think. So um, yeah, I just think it's going to be a little too much for Everton, um, They especially if they come out in that 5-4-1. Um, Brentford's a team very unlike Watford. Um, hold the ball really well, and with Christian Eriksen in their lineup, it's going to be easy for him to cut up the this defense. Yeah. Um, okay, Newcastle versus Arsenal up next. This is a tough game. I think it's going to be a hard one for Arsenal, but um, I guess I just got to go with the boys. I'm going to take them in this one. You know, Newcastle didn't look very good against City last week. I think Arsenal can defend or can attack with a lot of intent, um, so I'm going to take them. I think that they just eke one out. It's going to be tight, though. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you again. I just think Arsenal, um, Newcastle tried to, excuse me, uh, simulate a similar style to Arsenal, but I just think coming off that North London derby and wanting to put 
Um, the rivals out of the picture totally. I think uh, three points here will get the job done. All right, cool. Uh, Southampton versus Liverpool. Going to take Liverpool in that one. I'm. I think by six. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go I'm by six here. I'm I think. I think they're. I think goal differential is going to be in their back of their mind if, for some rare, um, if something rare happens here and City do drop points. Um, this is a prime opportunity for them to get goals back on them. So I think, I think, yeah, Liverpool by at least five or six. Cool. Aston Villa versus Burnley up next. Uh, another important game for Burnley. Gonna take a draw though. Um, we got a lot of draws I, this week. I know it does happen though quite a lot. Um, I think, I think this is the result that saves Burnley. I think I'm gonna go with the Burnley oh. win. All right. I like it. You know what? I'm going to switch. I'm going to go with a Burnley win as well. Talk to you into it. Yeah, I like it. I, I think I think you're right. And the things that I've said, it would make sense to, for me to switch my result here and say that Burnley are going to stay up. Um, they're going to need that, especially if Leeds draw Brighton, like I predicted. Yeah. So if I want to keep with what I've been saying all episode, Burnley have to win this game. So I'm going to yeah. go with that. Okay. Cool. And then we have Chelsea. Oh, we have two more games. Chelsea and Leicester and Everton and Palace. In the Chelsea-Leicester game, I'm going to take Chelsea. Um, Leicester probably going to get the result earlier on in the week, but I'm going to take Chelsea here. Yeah, I think Chelsea here um, should be a battle of the midfields. Um, Tillyman's going up against our guys. Um, probably still know Wilfred and Didi. He's been a massive loss for them um, in that sixth role. Um, should be interesting to see how they fill him in. Um, Mendy um, has stepped in nicely for them. They got him from um, the uh, but um, I don't think it's going to be enough for them here. I think Chelsea will finish the year out strong and secure that third position. Okay, cool. And then we have uh, one more game, Everton and Palace. Tough one here for Everton. Uh, I love Palace. You know, I... I've been betting with them uh, all season, but I'm going to take another draw, actually. Yeah, I think on the same page as Burnley, I think with these makeup games, I think Everton get the win. I think Palace have historically finished years out pretty weak. Um, and I think it'll be nothing different here. And I think a win, just like Burnley, Everton are going to seal Leeds' fate to be relegated. Cool. Guys, that uh wraps up oh, the sh- what's up. I was just I, as we were doing that, I was like, oh shit, I forgot to say what our records were this week. Oh yeah, that's all right. We okay. we both went nine and six, so pr- fairly oh, well. Oh wow. That is good. Yeah. I, I had expected that I had an awful week. Am I back towards level? I'm I'm you, close. You right? are you are one uh, one ahead. You're one ahead. Alright, alright. So two weeks left, you're 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 fighting to be positive above fifty percent. Uh, I'm hoping that I can do it. I, I'm really curious. I wonder if I listen to a couple of other shows and they don't really keep their they don't yeah. do predictions and keep their things. So I like it just like for comparison. Like I can look back to last year and I think we started week 15. So still a, a, a lot of games. To yeah, have yeah. A, sample, a good sample size for how our picks are. But yeah, I think having this amount of games is good to have an idea of like. And as well as like keeping what I do on this spreadsheet here with the individual teams, 
Yeah. Um, it gives you a good idea of how you can read these teams. And you you have like five teams similar there at the bottom. Yep. Um, worst is like 13. Like it's yeah. not terrible. My two worsts are Everton and West Ham there. I've only gotten 10 right out of the 20 or 35 or so that they've had. So, um, yeah. And I think I think the next episode we do, right, um, I think Zach should be here. So we'll get one more week of him for picks because cool. he's got a pretty good record at 22 and 15. That's a great so record. Another 10 games can put that to rest. Yeah, that's a, a tremendous record. I mean, the guy's, the guy's really batting well. Um, all right. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you for uh, tuning in. It's about 630 now. I'm going to go have some dinner. I'm uh, going to record or upload the show, and we'll be back next week. I appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Twitter uh, and Instagram at Post20Pod. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, all the past episodes of the show as well as uh, future episodes are uploaded there. So thanks again one more time and uh, take care of yourselves. We'll see you next week.